What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to another episode of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, I speak with Garrett Heimbaugh, the founder of EcoStylus, on going from being a peace worker to being an MBA student to discovering social entrepreneurship and creating a sustainable fashion marketplace for men, which is great. When we think about sustainable fashion or eco fashion, I think it's it's really uh women-centric, and I think it has a, a much bigger audience towards women, but I think, hey, men want to look good and, and feel good and, and do good as well. So I, I love the idea of coming at it from a men's perspective and kind of building a product for us, right, so to speak. So uh, appreciate Garrick for that. But EcoStylus is an online marketplace for eco-conscious and ethically made men's clothing. It was founded to answer one simple question, can sustainable be dapper? <laughs> uh, of course it can. And so EcoStylist finds you clothes that look good and look good as the values that they that they sort of represent. I think what, what Garrett says is that who wants to who wants to wear clothes made from child labor and toxic chemicals? He doesn't and I don't and I don't think nobody nobody wants to. So they really showcase and research heavily and really, really present brands on the marketplace that fit a ton of different criteria that they have partnered with the Remake Sustainable Brand Criteria. And so that framework goes really in depth to, I mean, certify is a, is a bad word. It's just really measuring a brand's environmental um, and social impact. And that's really what they want to focus on is to curate brands that really, really represent what EcoStylist represents, what Remake represents, and, and what the, the world of sustainable fashion and eco-conscious clothing should represent. We talk about a lot of things where not necessarily misinformation, but just sort of you know brands that can do a lot more, right? They sort of label themselves as being sustainable and eco-conscious, but they're doing the bare minimum. And I think that what's great about EcoStylus is that it really, it really curates and represents the companies that have a full ecosystem that they have created around sustainable fashion and, and sort of eco-conscious fashion and, and, and impact fashion, if you will. So I think that's why I appreciate the platform that he's built because I know how hard it is to really, you know, research these companies and make sure that they are being transparent. And I think one thing he touches on is that like, it's really great to see brands go take their impact journey, right? Maybe they start as a certain impact bottle that is the bare minimum, right? But he loves to see these brands mature into, you know, really creating that ecosystem of impact at their entire brand and throughout the supply chain to its workers, where, you know, ethics are really, uh, are really profound throughout the entire company, not just one area. Uh, so that, that's what I really appreciate about Garrick and, and what he's built and, and sort of what his team's doing and the partnerships that he's creating. It, it's it's really interesting. And I think it's much needed in the space. We, we try to do some of that at Cause Artists, really research and deliver companies and brands that from all over the world, from, from, from all backgrounds and, and all sectors. But he specifically is focusing on uh, the fashion market uh, for men, which is it's just super, super valuable. Um, so hope you enjoy the conversation. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's staying he- healthy and uh, have a great day. Have a great week. And I'll see you next time. Thanks.
So usually how I like to to start these conversations is is about the individual's journey to, to kind of get uh, to where they are and specifically why they start, you know, their brands and their companies and, and, and coming from the social impact space, social entrepreneur space. Usually it's a it's a really interesting journey to, to get to that point and, and to discover sort of the industry itself. So talk a little bit about just your journey, man, and starting Eco Stylist. I think I've become a big believer in the idea that like we don't actually know what our journey, where our journey is going to take us necessarily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so for me, it, we kind of have an idea of where we want to go, but it just doesn't. I think being open to to the fact that that's going to evolve a lot is important. For me, it kind of started when I studied I studied conflict analysis and resolution in undergrad, and so that was essentially peace studies. And at the end of our program, we studied abroad in Liberia. This was in 2010. We were doing uh, peace building work because I think at that point it was like 10 years after their civil war had ended. And so they were still doing a lot of like rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like from all of that experience, um, we worked and we worked like only with local organizations. Like we would we would like visit, you know, USAID and like talk to people from the UN while we were there. But we only worked with local uh, local NGOs that were on that were Liberian. And um, so anyway, so like from that, I mean, I knew that I wanted to do something thing with the social impact you know after mm -hmm. that but then it was like you know figuring out how to make that happen so i ended up i ended up getting a job in like the financial sector which was not what i wanted to do and i thought i would just do it for a little while and kind of see you know ended up doing that too long um and felt <laughs> kind of like yeah i felt pretty stuck and that was when i kind of like had like a like a quarter life crisis when i was 25 and i said everything's failing you know like, this is not <laughs> what i wanted to do and so so i quit that job and i i just started trying things so i got a job i knew i liked problem solving so I got a job at a software company um, and I was doing like light coding for them in SQL and and, mm -hmm. and, and that was really fun for me, but I, like already, like I was starting to think much faster. So after less than a year, I quit that because I was like, this isn't what I wanted. I got into an MBA program at Iowa, at the University of Iowa. And my vision for that was I was starting to, so I had this like side passion for entrepreneurship that I had been read, like I just read tons of books and consumed mm -hmm. tons of material and went to conferences. And, and I, I started to learn about social entrepreneurship. So for me, I saw the MBA as like a safe and a potential way to like do that. You know, it's like I combine sure. business with my peace studies and then. Yeah, it's great. Smart. Uh, but at the same time, like I knew you don't need an MBA for entrepreneurship, you know, so I was like, but it, for me, it was like a safety net. Like I was like, I could still get a product manager job, you know, with, with this, you know, with this sort of background. And so, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got there. And then I was like, I was, and then, so then I did a startup weekend while I was in. So my plan was to maybe start something while I was doing my MBA. Like I was like, maybe I'll start a business. I'll see how it goes. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and so like right in the beginning of that, I went to a startup weekend, which is like where you try to build a, a startup in three days. And I, it's like a tech stars program. And I, the theme was fashion. And so that was, mm -hmm. um, that was where things started to come together for me because I, I love fashion, but I never thought about um, incorporating it into a business of any kind. So that got me starting in that. And then it wasn't, it didn't really have a social theme of any kind. So my plan there was kind of like, okay, well, I'll just like build like a really successful startup, sell it, and then I'll start doing social good things. Cause like, I was like, that's what other people do, right? Like right, that's what right. you see people do when you look at like successful people. So, so I thought that's what I was going to do. And then I met the founder of an ethical shoe company in, in Boston and he was, his story really inspired me. So this was Adelante Shoe Company and mm -hmm. he was, they, they really ensure living wages for their workers. Um, and like they pay like, it's significantly more than the average uh, pay. In, like I think the average pay in Guatemala for a shoemaker is like 10, 50 or something. And they pay like 22, 50. And so it's like, yeah, so they're like, so it, it just really got me inspired because I was like, I didn't know that brands did this. Like I heard of like Tom's and I, I knew that like brands like Warby Parker were 
starting to do this like buy one give one thing mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but this was totally different you know this was like really thinking about the people making right. making this stuff and and that was what were like the kind of light bulb went out for me and i was like i was like okay well what if i want like a whole wardrobe with brands like this right and i was like that's and, I, and that's when i started doing the research and i was like holy crap this is really hard like i don't you know it's like i gotta find brands i trust i gotta like and then i was like i was like this is what i should be doing so i pivoted my startup um like i already had an mvp and i was like out there testing it with people like i had tested mm-hmm. it with like 100 or 200 users and and i completely changed it like i was like no i was like it needs to now be the, the case where like all the brands are ethical and sustainable and so that you just like from a customer's perspective you're just like buying clothes you like yep. but they're having like this great impact and so yeah so that was that was kind of what what where eco stylist started it's awesome no i i think it's it's like exactly what i, I tried to to create with cause ours was that understand like it's sort of a like a lifestyle right so like yeah a pair of socks is great right but like why not your entire everything you wear has like an impact behind it or a story behind it like that's that's where the real power comes in is is really your whole lifestyle looking at what you're buying and, and who you're buying it from and really be conscious of that right because you're you're buying anyway, right? Like you're no matter, you're still going to buy these shoes or these sunglasses or this sweater or these pants. But I think now the platforms like yours and, and, and others out there, now there's there's resources to kind of go to. Because I think a lot of it before was like, yeah, I'd love to do that, but how do I do that? Right? Who can I trust to 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 do that for me? Essentially, right? Essentially, you're you're kind of like curating this mm-hmm. for them. And and so I think now that the sector has has matured a lot, and, and now we see these these more these platforms coming out, then I think people can now create that lifestyle where everything they do can can really have an impact behind it. And when you were first talking to him, did he introduce you to other brands? Like, was he the was he technically like the first brand on the site, or did you have did you go to him and say, hey, what are the other companies like yours, right? Just in different sectors. Did, did he relay any kind of message to you about how to get started in discovering the brands? That's a good question. I He didn't really, he more just talked about his brand because like mm-hmm. he, he introduced me to, to Adelante Shoe Company and, and and I learned all about them. And then like I went and had a beer with them and, and learned more, like just asked tons of questions. And mm-hmm. so really I was just learning about their brand and what they do um, and, and just kind of like diving deeper. And then that was, that just, that inspired me to look for other brands. And at the time there wasn't really, there wasn't a platform that I would have used. Um, Correct. Yeah. You know, to, so that's why I was like, I got to build this because yeah, because there was nothing. And there were, there were, I think at that time, because that was like two years ago, there were other platforms that were starting to like, not not curate but like uh, what's the word i'm looking for like aggregate aggregate yeah. yeah yeah for sure there were platforms like done good and stuff that were starting to yeah. aggregate men's clothes but it just wasn't it's not a way that i enjoyed shopping and it wasn't a way that i saw customers mm-hmm. shopping personally mm-hmm. no i mean i think and I, i'm not not to, that's not to say like i think their tool is fantastic it's yeah. like, so but it's like but if i'm trying to solve the specific problem of of men's shopping which i was and which i am like i just don't think men shop that way you know and i was like yeah. so my goal was like i was like okay because uh, i know you know i did like tons of customer discovery and i know how men how t they can find shopping in one case and like in other cases they may just like not have a lot of confidence around like what to buy or what looks good with like this and what looks good with that and so I wanted to be like laser focused on that and I was like I think you know I was like if I I can just like solve that problem and and provide a platform that's really focused on the needs of like just this one customer and and so yeah that's kind of how we landed on that what you said before was super important is that like you had to have a way to not like certify you know these brands but make sure that they or quality enough or, or lived up to to your standards, but also like, you know, consumer standards and things like that. So like, how did you go through that process and saying like, cause it's, it's hard to be that like person that you're like, oh, you're 
good enough to be on the platform, but you're not good enough to be on the platform, right? It's like it's like this weird sort of gatekeeper thing where it's like I, I would feel like we were doing it, right? It would be it would be tough for me to like say no, you can't be on here, right? But so how how does that work in, in the analyzing part uh, of the companies? Yeah, it was it was tougher in the beginning, I think, because we developed our own criteria mm-hmm. and we were constantly kind of questioning, you know, that that we landed in the right spot with our criteria. Right. Um, and and so yeah, definitely trying to and then and then we were we obviously had our own concerns, but what, what ultimately came to mind was like from more customer discovery and from starting to like as we started to interact with customers, we started to learn that trust was a huge issue in this mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So the criteria really didn't become about like what we thought anymore. It really became about like what, what customers were asking for, and then and then kind of and also just through networking, just kind of actually through a chance meeting as well. I met the founder of Remake, which is a nonprofit that does um, great work for advocacy in the fashion space, especially for people. So I met I met Aisha, the founder, at a at a conference called Remote in LA, and. It was kind of her idea to have us partner, and I like I, I you know I took that back and I thought about it, and I was like, okay, if I adopted their criteria, mm. you know, does this make sense for us? And it, and it did because of like several reasons. One is our values are perfectly aligned with theirs. Like they what they were doing was what we wanted to do, but their criteria was better developed. It was more transparent. Yeah. And I saw it solving that problem that we were having with trust. So it's like, yeah, it's like we unfortunately we have to say like we have to create some kind of line where it's like these brands are sustainable, these are not, but that allows us to build trust with consumers and it helps them to be able to shop by their values. And so so we really settled on their criteria because it's 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 in line with like exactly our vision. And and we saw a lot of problems. Like we saw there's still problems. Like we saw like yeah. Google not being a good resource for this because you know, you type in like top 10 sustainable brands and you get a lot of brands that we kind of intuitively knew like weren't doing as much as some of the brands that we work with, you know, sure. like 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 you would see brands like Everlane in like every single top 10 list. Right. And there's just it's not and it's not to say like we're not like again, it's not to say they're not doing anything. It's just but it is to say that like, you know, for customers that want to shop ethically, like we can definitely recommend to them brands that are doing a lot more for people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of the bar that we wanted to set. Yeah, no, I think there's different levels of, of what impact is, right? There could be, you know, just because you're a B Corp, right? That's that's not the end all be all. It shouldn't be at least, right? I mean, they, they've built a, a trust factor for sure, I think. But I, I think you're right that other brands have more innovative impact models, right? And I think that they have raised the bar a little bit to where, and not, and I don't think we, we, we want to get into a space where it's like this brand is, is doing more impact or whatever. And it's like the bar keeps being raised and raised. And then it's like never, you know, then it's like impossible to reach up to anything. Right. But I do think that there are, are companies out there that, that take the ecosystem in its entirely like seriously, rather than just one part of the business. And I think that's what me, that's what I look for, right. Personally, as, as just a consumer, like I, I think I'm in the weeds so much where, you know, just because you are B Corp doesn't mean that I'm going to buy from you just because of that reason, right? There's tons of amazing companies out there that aren't B Corps, right? That aren't certified and, and have these stamp of approvals. That doesn't necessarily mean one is better than the other. But yeah, I do I do love the idea of, of having a, a trusted partner that, that you worked with because the one thing that I've learned, like with cause artists, is that sometimes you can't do everything yourself. And some people have already done the thing that you wanted to do that you can incorporate into what you're building. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and if we could if we could talk about the B Corp thing for a second, because I'm really I'm really glad you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's I, I completely agree with you on that note. And that is, but it, it's often not something where I find people agreeing with me very often, unfortunately. You know, and it's and and I don't and I don't mean to, it's not like and and but I, the reason I say it is because like I think and you know, B Corp is 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 I think it's first of all it's great. It's a great movement. I agree. Like, I, no, totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. And nothing's and perfect, just like with anything. 
right? <laughs> yeah, and they built a lot of trust. But we we are starting to push back with some of our content on on that a little bit. Not not to say that it's not good, but just to say that like, hey, just because a brand is a B Corp doesn't mean you should just be like, hey, I'm gonna buy from you. You know what I mean? Like, especially yeah. especially when it comes to fashion, because we have that like fashion is a specific lens where we're really thinking about like the garment work workers and mm -hmm. and and so we've written some articles and, and just the interesting thing though is like I often I think I've, I've I've I feel a lot more resistance because I think people trust the B core certification so strongly and again and I'm not saying that they shouldn't but what I am trying to say is that like from a if we're looking at fashion brands it doesn't tell you everything you need to know you know and so some perfect examples is like we just put an article that like all birds didn't pass our, our criteria mm. we have another and I don't want and we and I, I wanted to stories of progress too like we had another example like we had United by blue was a B is a B core that mm -hmm. um that like failed our criteria when we got started and then they and then they sense like but they've been doing so much and this is what we love to see we love to see progress from brands so like since that time they've they've unveiled like transparency they've unveiled mm -hmm. like uh, factory certifications and they share that information and so they now pass our criteria and that's but I mean it's just and it's just an example to say though that like before and after they passed our criteria they were a B core you know and so it's like I just think that yeah I think I, I agree with you I just think we we might want to push a little bit further and just look a little more closely than just for that certification yeah definitely and, and i don't know i know some of the stuff that, that they look at and certify but like for example like you know tom's up look tom's is 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 sort of it's it's going to be i think it's a, a tremendous case study right in, in everything that journey that they have gone through because i think they went from very humble beginnings right to like scaling at like an unheard of rate right taking like venture capital right like doing all these things that no other social impact brand has done they were kind of the first to go down this road and then kind of looking at the impact bottle and be like well maybe one for one is not very sustainable right and maybe there's other things we can do for impact and then they became a b corp right and then but then they can they failed to make their debt payments and then they got bought by a bank so it's like as a as as label and approving of like a b corp like i feel like having good books should be an important thing right and like if you have like too much debt and then like you can't pay it and then you get bought by like a bank then maybe you should not be a b corp person right like i wonder if there's a way you could take it back that would be a weird thing but like i don't think it's just we should just focus on like the way things are made or how much they pay their employees but also like is it actually a good business and like are you doing stuff from like a sustainability standpoint from the business perspective to where like you have the ability to make an impact you know now it's like they're kind of in this weird state and i know i'm going off on a tangent here but i guess for example like it's just there's so many things that could go into it that it doesn't seem like that's a criteria too is having like a good balance sheet <laughs> You know, no, that's really interesting, and that's that's a good, it's a good point, and it, it is it's it is hard, I guess, in some sense, to be a social enterprise because you got to do so many things. Like you got to exactly, yeah, it's it's. it's but tough. I think we're, yeah, but I think it's but it's shooting for like this shared vision of of what business could be, right? And I think yeah, I think that's what matters. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. It's like you need you need to make it, and and that is it is kind of in a way one of the. Um, it is actually like the first level of criteria that we have when we look at a brand in a sense, not in the exact sense of like what are your balance sheets, but in the sense of we like we look at their product. Do we think that this is adding value from a fashion perspective, from our customers perspective, you know, because because at the end of the day, like you could make something super sustainably and super ethically, you know, but maybe nobody needs it. Maybe it's ugly. You know, right. and I don't mean to like and, and, or maybe it's like it doesn't, you know, and, and, and that actually matters with clothing because like it's got to be it's got to be the full picture. Like if people don't love wearing it then like you're not going to be able to make that impact that you want to make you know yeah. and so that is actually the first level of like 
criteria that we look at for any brand before we then run them through remakes. It's just like, does this add value? You know, because we want to we want to put out the image that like dressing sustainably isn't a sacrifice. You know, like you can you can look great like with awesome clothes that you love. You know, and then they're also made uh, in this great way. I want to talk a little bit about the business model because if that's at the end of the day, like we we need that to work, <laughs> right? Uh, it looks like you're. Is it a completely affiliate affiliate model? Correct. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So for for those who who don't know, do you want to explain maybe how that works? Um, the affiliate model works, and I'll, I'll go into some other some other questions that I have about like what I think you guys could do. Like I think you guys are in a really good spot. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So so the affiliate model essentially is yeah it is where you you primarily you use links and like that pass a customer through. So it's like if a customer we don't actually have like a shopping cart and yeah we you don't, don't you don't do the checkout part. Yeah, we don't have inventory. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so it's like when somebody clicks on that M to buy it, it would take them to like Outer Nose website to make mm-hmm. the purchase. Um, and then we would make a, a percentage of that as, as affiliate commission. So yeah, so that's kind of the model. And it's obviously, obviously there's pros and cons, but obviously like one of the pros is, is from a scaling perspective, it's pretty easy. You don't have to worry about inventory, right? And stuff yeah, like that. Great. Obviously it's lower margins than like if you had inventory. So um mm-hmm. You know, so you so you've got to like you've got to reach a, a wide audience. Um, so yeah, so it's just kind of a different different way of, of going about it. Did you look at other models, or out the gate you knew that that's kind of the model you wanted to do? No, we yeah we've been pivoting and adjusting like from the beginning and trying to figure that out. Like, and, I mean, in the very beginning we had no we had no business model because it was just like <laughs> it was just a matter of like trying to yeah just try like we were just we were just like let's just solve the customer's problem first, right? And then we're gonna figure out like how to monetize it. <laughs> And we've tried a lot of different things and I've, you know, I've done, I've, I've done some, just to give some examples, like I've done some sure. personal styling work um, and I, I still do some of it, but we, um, we're really low key about it because just because like, it's not something we can scale, you know? So it's like, if I spend a bunch of my time doing that, right? Like it's not really, it, it's going to kind of take away to some extent from our, from our larger vision of what we mm-hmm. want to accomplish. So yeah, so, so th- that's a good example we've like, we tried, we've tagged on like some other business models that, and then been like, you know what, probably not like. Not for the not for like long term, gonna work. <laughs> What's uh, you mentioned sort of the the longer term goals and visions. Do you have a clear idea of, of, of sort of what that is right now? Do you want to go into to a little bit of that? Can you can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe what that that sort of north star is? I can, yeah, yeah. So so a little bit of like what we plan to do is so we we kind of started Ego Stylist with a because I mentioned like we really thought about our our customers' problems and, and the way that they shop and. We started Ego Stylist with an automated personal stylist. So, like, you, the website used mm. to just be where you come to the website and there was a chatbot, and you would like engage the chatbot, and it was um, it would basically like help you shop. It was like your personal stylist, but like automated. Gotcha. And we ultimately like the product that we built just wasn't good enough, and so we eventually realized that the data supported it, and so we took it down and we started to give customers other things they wanted, like like a brands list, you know, like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. like a curated shop. We we focused on on like shoppable blog articles that really help with like specific questions, you know, like, like ethical brands for people that are, you know, shorter than five, eight or like mm-hmm. taller than six, one, or, you know, whatever, like these different right. kind of right. questions that people have. And then, but like what we want to move back to those, but we're definitely going to move back to more customization is one thing. So like, we're going to go back because we, we want to, we want to solve that problem that we initially, you know, which we're not really quite doing right now because like, it's still, you're still shopping, even if it's like a curated shop and it's not a lot of browsing. So we're definitely going to be bringing back um, a more technical feature that, that makes shopping really easy for you. 
as a customer, you know, building on that, we're probably going to expand into other into other markets. So probably like probably eventually women's. I, I want to avoid mm. that until until we're really doing like a solid job of yeah. of our core for our core customer. Mm-hmm. Um, people have tried to like pivot us into that like a lot of times, and we're like, it's like yeah, but you know, there's other people doing that, and yeah. and we hundred percent. Yeah, we want to. Yeah, we want to. And I know that doesn't mean it's not a reason not to do it, but it, but we want to really solve this problem for for our customers. Did, and then, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, and then just keep and then just keep expanding. Like, honestly, there's more, you know, if there's markets that aren't being served, we're going to move into those, you know, because I think because people care about sustainability, like all over the world. And, you know, yeah. you're even you're seeing like emerging in like like in China, people are you know starting to become interested in this as a, for, in terms of clothing. Right. Um, yep. and, and other markets. And so it's like we and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of energy in Europe, but like, you know, whatever markets we can add value in, you know, we'll, we'll be thinking about that as well. So I, I, I like the idea of like an ethical like stitch fix. Like that's what yeah. I would see. Like that would be an awesome model for you guys. But like that, I know that costs a lot of money, and it's it's all kind of thing. But the like what they do is really good. They're more of a tech company than like a fashion company, right? The problem I think with them is is that all their products are just fast fashion, really. Essentially, it's like so we don't necessarily need them. <laughs> it's like we we already have like all these clothes in the world. People already know about like all that stuff, and it's just like they have such great tech. Like it would be phenomenal if if. All, all they did was like ethical brands because I think there's enough now out there where there is enough like inventory from all these social impact brands where you could have like an ethical sort of like stitch fix where you know like you said you go on their site you put in you know your size large or medium like what's your waist size all this stuff to where every month like eco stylist could just send a guy like me like a box like that, right? Like that would be incredible. Like I would love that something like that. How yeah. hard? How hard is that to build? <laughs> that no, that is a great idea, and it is something that we've considered and 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 are considering. But I I want I would say I would want to do it in the right ways. So like some of the questions that I've that um like for example I know because well because like, like you mentioned like sustainable, which I think is really great that you're you're trying to like addressing the whole lifestyle because you're right like people that. It's not just like your whole wardrobe, but people that care about, you know, sustainable clothing probably also care about other things. Like they, you know, maybe they also like use reusable coffee mugs or water bottles. Or they're probably like doing all kinds of other habits as well and, and lifestyle 100%. decisions. So like, yeah. So so the one thing intention that I've had is like I just I also would want to make sure that we're not like pushing clothes like too many too much clothes on people that they don't actually need. But I think right. I think there's, there's right. reasonable ways to adjust that. You know, whether it's whether it's you move quarterly instead of monthly, yeah, exactly. Or yeah. you just or you take into account like customers' needs in the beginning, maybe like through an input survey. But yeah, I just would want to make sure that, that that if we if we move that way, that it would be still in line with like a sustainable lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know the criteria is it, it, it's sort of not yours per se, but like when brands do come through the criteria sort of phase, right? It, could you talk a little bit about what like the criteria is? I guess what do they what are they filling out? Like what questions are they answering? Like things like that. Definitely. So the criteria we use is is one where we're mostly trying to be able to do all the research ourselves. That is that's the vision for the criteria because which I which I, I really agree with. It's it's I don't think we're quite there today, but it's but we're we're pushing for it. And so that's like and that vision is that you know we can do a research. So the the ultimate vision is we can do all the research from a brand's website. And a gotcha. customer, a customer could do the exact same thing. Gotcha. So like, 
so there's no like mystery, you know, like a, a customer could simply, like if they, if they, and hardly anybody's going to want to do this, but we, we want them to be able to, like if, if somebody, you know, just gets a lot of work, but if somebody wants yeah. to be like, Hey, did, did Patagonia like really, I mean, okay, they're probably not going to ask that. Did like Vustra really pass your criteria? Cause they, they know Patagonia, you know, but like, but maybe a brand they've never heard of. They're going to be like, did Vustra really pass? Let me find out. And they'll like be able to <laughs> double, double do our research. And that's what we want. And, and because we also think that's the level of transparency that's needed in the world. So yeah, so that's how our criteria works. We, we, we're still at a stage, especially with smaller brands where like we will ask them for more information and then we'll encourage them to put that on their website because, you know, I don't, I don't, and, and, and the main reason for that is because I, under, I understand that if you're a brand that's three months old, like maybe, maybe everything's not on your website yet, you know? And so, so we'll kind of like help them out a little bit, but also encouraging them like that, that, you know, we want this information on their website, you know, but if it's a bigger brand that's been around for a while, we, we, we don't usually do that because it just, you know, because for obvious reasons, it doesn't contribute to the vision of, of what we're going for. You know, like if Patagonia, for example, was like hiding all their information, like we wouldn't bother reaching out to them because, you know, because it's like they've been around for 50 years. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. So, but yeah. Oh, and, and to get into the criteria though. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's like five main sections of it. Um, and so it's like transparency is one um, where we're really looking at like, are they transparent about their factories and, and where the clothes are made? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like maker well-being. Um, where it's like, you know, what are like do brands? Cause a lot of brands will in, reinvest in their workers and, or, and, or the communities where those workers live. Right. right. Wages is a big one. Like they get a lot of points, uh, on the criteria if they pay livable wages. Cause that's super important. I mean, it's the most obvious way to empower people. It's like when yeah. people, when we're talking about empowering workers, it's like, they don't need necessarily like our help. Like they just need fair wages, you know, right. just pay them like something reasonable, you yeah. know, it's like, it's not too much to ask. So yeah. So, and so there's those sections, there's like, um, there's raw materials where we look at the, the sustainable raw materials that a uh, brand is using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also the sustainability of the manufacturing. So that dives into like, do they recycle their wastewater? Do they have like a plan to save water to reduce CO2? Are they circular? You know, so there's kind of all these opportunities for a brand to get points. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, uh, one thing that you said a little earlier that that's, that's been sticking with me is that like, I, I see the potential in like all birds to really kind of be sort of like a like a transformative brand in a lot of different ways. What was it about them that didn't pass yet? And do you see them eventually passing the, the criteria for, for what you guys are, are building? Definitely. I, I definitely think that they could. And I think, and it potentially, depending on like what their supply chain looks like, it could be relatively easy for them. Right. So, cause yeah, cause the main reason they failed, it was simply, it was, it was that lack of transparency, you know? So, mm-hmm. so in the transparency section, we weren't able to give them any points um, because there was no transparency on their website. And then when you moved into like the manufacturing or the maker well-being side and all of that, mm-hmm. they also weren't able to get any points because there was no information on any of those things as well. And those, gotcha. those don't exactly go together. Like you could, you could not have transparency and you could right share what you're doing for maker well-being like those two you know but but in their case like there wasn't information on any of those things and so we weren't able to pass them for that reason and it's definitely an easy fix in this in i mean for them in a sense um i mean they could at least be getting all the because they, they scored 31 points uh 50 is passing like if they just had the transparency like you know then then they would automatically get like a i don't know like 15 more points or something like that and mm-hmm. then you know if they if they if they fully did did the, did the transparency and then you know, and then depending on what certifications they have, they could get more points, right? Um, and so really we'd be taking a closer look then for those other sections at their supply chain. So um, yeah, and I, th- I hope that they do. I mean, we the point of the article was, was definitely not to be like, it was really just to give a different lens at which to look at what's a sustainable brand. You know, it right. definitely was not to bash them in any way. Like 
we know a lot of we've like we've I've tried all birds like we know a lot of people love them and and we we threw a section in the article where we were like if you if you love this brand like reach out to them and just yeah. ask them ask them to put this on their website and we hope that they do um, because yeah because that would they're they're seen as a leader I think in a lot of ways like even their their, their whole initiative on like measuring their CO two is a mm-hmm. good example of leadership like that's that's a yeah. leadership position and and so we hope that they that they come out with like the the manufacturing leadership as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge deal, man. The manufacturing side obviously is the, is the game changer that the entire industry needs to to look at, right? To, to look at that lens as the monumental sort of shift that the entire sector needs to happen. I want to kind of nerd out a little bit here since, since we know like a lot of a lot of brands, like what what are some of your favorites, right? Like what, what through all your research and, and just through your your purchasing habits like what are what are some of the brands that you you know you really like you really love what they're doing and they make a great product yeah there's so many but I'll, <laughs> I'll, just start, I'll just start naming them um i really loved there's there's a lot i really like outer known a lot um mm-hmm. i think they're doing so many things well and i think and, and it's probably not too much of a secret i think uh, a lot of people recognize that um like i said i love to see that progress you know so yep. that's what i mentioned so when i talked about united by blue earlier like yep. i'm I'm really like I'm really glad to see the progress that they're making. Like that, I think that's one of the. It's so important because even like you know like even if a brand passed the criteria, if they're just being like stagnant, that's kind of a concern because like most of these brands, you know, it's really it's really better when you see them making progress over time. So a good example of that would be um, would be like Taylor Stitch would be a good example of a brand mm-hmm. where they didn't they passed our criteria, but they didn't necessarily score the highest. You know. Yeah. But then if you looked at them like over the course of like the last I don't know like two three years that I've been watching them they've done so many more things like they've replicated patagonia's warnware program essentially yeah you know they've they've now switched like all of their cotton over to organic cotton that's a great example where it's like okay maybe they weren't perfect you know right um but like but they're making but they're 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 good enough for sure and they're making that progress and it's like that's really encouraging to see other brands that that i yeah so brands that i love i mean obviously adelancy shoe company was like the brand you know (laughs) got me into it so i love their like their shoes are awesome um the solo is another one where i feel like i'm I feel like I'm watching them make steady progress, and I'm yeah. like, I'd love to see that progress. Uh, well, yeah, it's just oh, there's so many. Um, yeah, that's it. Those, those are good, man. All those are. This well, this actually, this one like the shirt I'm wearing is from a brand called Vustra. Okay. That's pretty new in the space, and, and they're another one where like I'm even in the short. They've been it's not even that long. We've been working with them for a little while, maybe two years. They're they're a pretty new brand, but we've been working with them since almost the beginning. And they've also like again progress. You know, like we're seeing like they're becoming. You know, like I think they had a combination of ethical factory certifications in the beginning, and then they've just kind of shifted over to fair trade, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and they're starting to use like linen instead of just organic cotton, and yeah, and so they really make they just make men's shirts. It's like pretty, it's a pretty um, narrow focus that they it's have. Great. Um, oh, it's it's good to start that way. Have one product do that great, and then I mean that's I mean that's a lot of successful business models, right? Like all Alberts, for example, they just started with shoes, right? And now they have socks and they have underwear, right? build the brand first. I think it's a, it's a really a smart move by them because there's not many people making dress shirts sort of like that in the sort of ethical space. I mean, Taylor Stitch, you just mentioned that they're, they're kind of one, but again, it's not, there's not a ton of competition there. So I think it's smart by them to just focus, focus on that. Exactly. Exactly. And then I'll, I'll just give a, I should, I should throw in there a small, few small brands out here. Cause like give a few small. Hell brands yeah, man. Out. Hell yeah. Um, so Tack and Stone is a really cool one that I met. Um, when I was in LA, I interviewed, I did like, I shot a video and I like I interviewed their founder. Um, and they're, so they're one of our brands. The really cool thing about them is just the, just the amount of um, focus they've had since the beginning. Like they were really serious about like their fabrics and, 
and pretty much all their clothes are made in either LA or Portugal. And so they've just been kind of doing every, they kind of like came into it with like trying to do everything right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, obviously they're thinking about like, they're thinking, they're, they're thinking about next, like how do we incorporate circularity into our brand? But, but yeah, so they just have like men's staple pieces and uh, really great stuff there. And then, you know, one of our, some of our newer brands like voice threads is a brand that we just brought on. Um, I met the founder of that when I was in Phoenix. So it's a sock brand that, um, is like made in USA recycled materials. They're made in North Carolina. Um, and they're really all about like supporting the nonprofits, but in a different way than like conscious steps. So mm -hmm. like the way that they do it is they they make these like really colorful mismatched socks that are designed to start conversations about nonprofits. Okay. Interesting. Um yeah, because the, the idea being like if I'm like, hey Grant, like those are awesome socks, you know, like what does that mean? And then you tell me the story and then maybe I think of that nonprofit in the future, or maybe when I like see that nonprofit in my email i would want to give to them because yeah. i like you know so mm -hmm. just so, so they're all about like supporting nonprofits which i think is pretty cool yeah i love that i love that i think we'll sort of end on we kind of touched on it a little bit before but i like to end on on the future a little bit it, it i know it's a tough question now because just the times we, we live in is, is much different than really any other time that in our lifetime at least so it's hard to project a little bit the question would be like what do you what do you want the platform to be, right? Like in, let's just, let's say five years down the line, you know, three to five years down the line, what what are some of the progress uh, you want to see, you know, you make and the platform make, just like we're seeing, we want progress from the brands to keep happening. What, what's the progress from your point of view that that you want to see happen within EcoStylus? There's a lot of things that we, that we want for the future, but I think the big ones are that we want to, like leveraging our partnership with Remake, we want to help, define what it means to be a sustainable brand so we will really be pushing that further um and we we recognize that even though like you can download our criteria um you can like you can already find the criteria on our website you could already yep. do the research yourself we also we recognize that it's still a bit intimidating so we're going to be coming out like we're going to be coming out with things not, not in the next one year not even five years um we're going to start making that like way simpler okay. um and so we're really gonna, yeah, because we really, we're really we're working with Remake there. We're just really gonna, we just really want to push this out there because we think it's really important to define what it, what it means to be a sustainable brand uh, today. And then, you know, kind of like to what you talked on earlier, like we really, we also want to make, we want making, we want shopping sustainably to be even, not just to be like possible, but to be even easier and ideally like even better than mm -hmm. shopping normally. <laughs> so I know that's yeah. like that's probably sounds pretty ambitious given that like. <laughs> there's billions of dollars being spent on like other shopping solutions out yeah, there that are not sure. sustainable. But if we can do that, we're going to figure out how to do it. And so that's, um, you know, that's definitely something that I want for the future um, and in, in five years. And I think, I think I've like, I've many other times that I've um, been interviewed or been talking about EcoStylist, I've, I've like said that, that are, that are, I think in 10 years, we'll put ourselves out of business because um, we really see the whole future. We see, cause we see, we, we want the whole future to be like, we want our whole reason we started was we want all clothing shopping to be sustainable. And if yeah. that goal is achieved, like who needs eco stylist or any other service. But to be honest with you, like, I don't know if I actually, I'm like realizing, I don't know if I actually believe that anymore. Like that, I mean, that will put, I think mean, that will put ourselves out of business in a sense. Cause you'll, you'll just pivot, right? You'll, you'll progress in, in whatever manner. You need exactly. To, right? I, I think we'll be able to continue to help people like, yeah. For sure, live, live even more sustainable lives in in, in, in line with their values and in, in the way that they want. And so, yeah, we won't be the same, but I think we'll still be helping people, um, yeah, achieve a more sustainable lifestyle. Yeah, amazing, man. Well, uh, I I appreciate your work you do. I, I know it's uh I know it's it's sort of difficult to to go from 
you know, idea and passion to actually building the company and building the platform and the structure. And so I, I appreciate the grind and the, and the effort because it's, it's needed, man. And I, and I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time as well. I know it's a, it's a busy time for everybody and, and uh, our, our days are packed with, with phone calls and, and all kind of discussions. So I appreciate you carving out some time for us and uh, best of luck this year and definitely best of luck next year. Hopefully that'll be a, uh, a really uh, a growth for your growth year for you guys. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thanks so much for having me on the show.